Welcome to TTM Cast One on One with Jeff Baker. Every Wednesday, we'll bring one on one interviews with hobby professionals, former athletes, authors, and collectors. Sponsored by Certified Sports Guarantee. Go to csgcards.com for sports card grading for the win. And by sportscollectorsdaily.com. If it happens in the hobby, you'll find it on sportscollectorsdaily.com. And sponsored by gemrate.com. The latest grading statistic from the four major grading companies is just a click away. Visit gemrate.com. It's free. Sponsored by Collects. The free app that shows you the value of your card collection. Scan and catalog your cards, follow other users, and buy and sell with other collectors. That's Collex, C-O-L-L-X. And now, here's our host, Jeff Baker. Hello, everybody. It is Wednesday, May 3rd, and you are listening to TTM Cast One-on-One, which is our Wednesday show where we have interviews and go over some sports uh, happenings and news and stuff. My name is Jeff Baker. I am your host of the show, talking to you from Boston, Massachusetts, and I'm joined by my friend and co-host from Dallas, Texas, Mr. Drew Pelto. Hey, Drew. Hey, good to be here, as always. Drew is on uh, YouTube and uh, Twitter as... Uh, DFW Graffer. Uh, how's your video doing, Drew? It's good. I haven't posted one up yet. I've got to just edit it together real quick here today, but it'll be going up here uh, pretty soon if it's not on by the time this uh, goes to air. So make sure you check out DFW Graffer on YouTube. We've got a, a fun interview later. We're going to talk with Bob Weiss, who played in the NBA for a number of years. He played with the um, the uh, Chicago Bulls, and he played with the 76ers, and he played with a few other teams. He also coached a bunch of teams, so we're going to talk to him about his time in the NBA and about collecting and autographs, and uh, it's a fun interview that is coming up. We have uh, all sorts of cool stuff to talk about. I went to the Rich Altman show here in Wilmington, Massachusetts this past weekend on Saturday, went went for the day, and I got uh, my Pete Rose jersey autographed and saw a bunch of uh, guys uh, saw some fans which was kind of cool i have an article in sports collectors daily and you can check that out uh, i re- had a good time on the in the bargain bin drew good good i got uh this this one guy he had a, a, a bunch a bunch of boxes that uh, he was selling uh red sox bruins patriots and um celtics cards for a dime Oh, and nice! A ton of them, and I picked up a bunch of, uh, Bru- I picked up a bunch of Bruins cards that I didn't have. A, a bunch of Ray Borks and Cam Neely's. I picked up a, um, um, uh, a uh, Marshawn card and a Pierre and, uh, and a Bergeron rookie card for a dime. Oh, nice. I picked up a uh, Mookie Betts's first Bowman card for a dime. So <laughs> it was really, really cool. So it was, it was, it was yeah. fun to, it's always fun to go through the, the, the dime and quarter bins. Don't you think? Absolutely. You never know what you're going to find. I mean, my best, one of my best finds I ever had was uh, the 1983 Opeachy Ryan Sandberg rookie card that I later got signed, picked that up at the national in 2001 in a 50 cent box. So yeah, you never know what you're gonna find when you go digging through those things. Yeah, you just have to be patient, right, guys? You just yep. have to be patient when you go go through them. It's it, sometimes it's a little tedium, but it, it it is fun. So that that was a good good uh, show. Make sure you check out my article in, on in Sports Collectors Daily this week. It just got posted uh, yesterday, so make sure you check that out. We got the hawk the hockey playoffs is what a what a shocker, Drew. We have the Bruins, the Rangers, the Avs, and the Tampa Bay Lightning are all out. Can you believe that? Yeah, that's uh, that's definitely a shocker is probably the best term for it. I'm still mad about this whole thing with uh, 
what's his name? Kale McCarr getting suspended. Then the next game, a dude breaks a guy's freaking neck and gets nothing. He gets two minutes in the box off of that. Doesn't even get the five that McCarr got. Doesn't get the suspension that McCarr got. Break a guy's neck, and yeah, you get to just go ahead and play like normal. This is it, absolutely it, ridiculous. McCarr's hit was suspension-worthy, though, I think. It was the, 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 the whistle blew, and then he, he hit him. It was, it, was a, it was a cheap shot. If you're going to suspend him for that, then you need to suspend a guy for hitting somebody headfirst from behind into the boards. I, I agree. I mean, that is... It, yeah. It's a double standard in the in the referees, but I don't think the referees like the in the Bruins series because I watched every one of those games. I don't think the referees cost the Bruins the oh, no. uh, the championship and uh, you know the 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 series. And I don't think the the rain the referees cost the Rangers per se. Did you did you watch the Avs the whole Avs Avs uh, series? I didn't watch the entire series, but would I say that they cost them the series? No, not at all. But you can't make two. Similar things like that have different outcomes on them. That is completely just absolutely ridiculous. I agree. And well, who do you? Who I do think you it like? changes series at least, if not. Who do you like? With the, what are we? We're down eight, right? The final eight. Right. Who do you? Right. Who do you like now to go to the, the cup finals? Hell, I don't even. I'm trying to remember who's even active now. I know, like what? Uh, Vegas is still alive. Dallas and Edmonton. In one yeah, Dallas, series. Edmonton, Vegas, and Seattle out of the West. I don't like yep. any of them. I'd like. I mean, if I had to pick one out of those four, I'm going to hold my nose and pick Edmonton. Yeah, I agree. Like, I hate all four of those teams, so I'm like, screw you, Western Conference. <laughs> all right, how about how about in the East? All right, in the East, let's see who we have. We have got the Devils still alive, the Maple Leafs, the Panthers, and who's the fourth team that's going to still be around there? Carolina? Carolina. Yeah, that's it. Carolina, yeah. Ugh. It's another one where I feel dirty cheering for any of those. So, oh, God, maybe Florida, just because, I mean, you know, pulling off an upset like that, it's like, how can you not – cheer for an underdog like that i mean okay fine bruins fans you, you've got a reason not to there but yeah, yeah I, I, think, I just i can't get behind any of those other ones at all i like carolina but I, out, of, out of that those four i think i like carolina but we'll see carolina and edmonton would be a good series good final i think yeah i still have a little bit against carolina for abandoning hartford as like <laughs> so i mean yeah this is you know 25 year grudge basically against them but yeah i'm can't get to Carolina because of that. So, yeah, I, I have to go with Florida and Edmonton. It's like, oh, God, that's going to be terrifyingly bad for TV ratings. But, well, screw them. I mean, yeah, that's – nobody right. cares it's about TV be, ratings. I care about what's going to be best on this. It's going to be so. terrifyingly bad for TV ratings. I'm sure they were rooting for the Bruins or the Rangers to get in there for, for yeah. TV ratings. But we'll, we'll see. Hey, let's uh, let's bat lead off. Okay, what do we got? Batting lead off. It is Hobby Happenings. Woohoo! Let's get the show started. Leading off, we look at hobby happenings. Smart collectors turn to Sports Collectors Daily to stay up to date. From new releases to incredible collections hitting the auction block, news from inside the business of sports collectibles, and much more, Sports Collectors Daily has it, all with no subscription cost. SC Daily also delivers a live look at the most watched sports card auctions on eBay for every sport. Sign up to get the headlines in your email for free or just visit the website whenever you like. With 16,000 stories in the archive going back 16 years, there is always plenty to read at sportscollectorsdaily.com. Well, I just want to welcome our new sponsor, Collects. We, we, we've been uh, talking this, about this for a couple of weeks now. They are uh, board as a sponsor. Make sure you check out their app, collects.app. And one of the cool things they're offering is an exclusive offer to TTM Cast listeners where there's a $10 coupon. You get $10 off your first purchase of, of cards in their marketplace. So it's basically like getting $10, a $10 card for nothing. And it's pretty easy. All you have to do is just make sure you download the Collects app in your App Store or Google Play. And then send me your name and your um, 
your your address, your email address, and in the subject line, put ten dollar coupon. And uh, I'm going to be compiling names and sending those off about just about every other week. So send me your name and your mailing ad email address to uh, I'm sitting. What is it? What's the email address? That would be ttmcast at yahoo.com. I almost gave it out. I almost <laughs> gave it out. Give the 10 and, and put $10 coupon in the subject line. And uh, we'll make sure the, the guys at Collects send you your coupon. So thank you, Collects. Thank you. Welcome. Check out Collects at Collects.app. It is a great app that Drew and I use. And we're, we're, uh, we're glad that they're very happy that they're uh, aboard as a sponsor. Drew, we have a lot of shakeups this week in the hobby. Yeah, I was shocked when you had texted me on, what was it, Saturday night, I think Saturday it was. Saturday night, saying, yeah. Yeah, saying that a Kunal Chopra, whom we've had on the show a couple times now, is out as the Beckett CEO after less than a year. He was hired back in June of 2022. Here we are in early May of 2023, and he is out as their CEO. So uh, major shocker right off the bat right there. Yeah, I mean, I think his head got put on the chopping block because of the result of the uh, grading fiasco that happened at mint collective and, and i just think um you know i, I feel bad i i like canal a lot i think he, he was great for the hobby and I, i'm sorry to see him go but uh, i think he's the one that the that took the hit for that don't you think it seems like it and it seems like a vast overreaction as well i mean they the fact is i mean people complained and beckett said okay fine we're gonna go back on that it's what what can you really do i mean it was a bad idea to begin with yeah of course it was but if you fire somebody over just having a bad idea like that, even before it goes uh, off, even before they uh, take the idea back, if you fire somebody over that, it's like it's going to make people really think twice before coming up with any new innovations at all. So I agree. I mean, I, I think, think it's a reaction. I think Canal was do, had Beckett going in the right direction. I think he yeah. he 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 jumped on a ship that was going in the wrong direction. I think they had him going in, in the right direction. I like a lot of things that he did and and it's just it was just a misstep. But I'm sure he'll land on his feet and we'll oh, yeah. find out uh, who takes over for Canal. This no no one's been reported yet confirmed. So that's why we're not we're not dropping any names if you know what I mean, Drew. Mm-hmm. Well speculation there but nothing nothing official yet and Right. We try to wait for the official word first. Well, uh, another company, PWCC, has laid off a quarter of their employees in what they're calling an organizational revamp. Um, so I don't know if they grew too quickly and they added too many people because that does happen to companies, right? They yes. they kind of ramp up and just kind of add people to to as long as as quickly as they can to take on all the new business. And maybe that's what happened. I don't, you know, maybe they they grew without a plan. It's entirely possible. I mean, that happens, especially when you're dealing with something like this hobby, this industry, where you've had this kind of boom and bust cycle that happens. And we just got through this major boom there throughout 2020, 2021, a little bit of 2022. You think that boom is going to last longer than it actually does. And yeah, sometimes you just build too quickly from it. Yeah, so it'll be interesting. Um, you know, they they as I said, they laid off a third of their employees. So hopefully, the, the the people that get laid off will land on their feet, and we'll have to see um, what happens from our friends at PWCC. I know they've entered into um, what uh, plans, right? Now, uh, what, what not plans, but um, partnerships with CSG and other companies, and, and right, it'll right. be interesting to see uh, where that takes them. You know, they are one of the players in in the uh, in the hobby in that space, and uh, it'll be interesting to see how their, um, the, what the fallout is from everything. So I think that's kind of a wait and see, don't you? Absolutely. I mean, you never know how this is going to go, because sometimes it could just be cutting out some extra stuff that's like, well, we can, why have two people do this job if only one person can do it and such? So 
Could it cost them a little bit in some of those partnerships? Maybe, but I would think if they're at risk of that, I don't think they would cut of that many employees. So yeah, we'll see. I would wait and see. Well, you know what? April uh, grading numbers are in, and grading numbers are always a great par- barometer of what's going on with the hobby. So uh, why don't you give the April grading numbers from our friends at gemrate.com. Uh, yeah, a little bit of a drop right there since uh, April. Overall grading activity down 4% between uh, between March on into April. PSA, 1.22 million cards throughout the month. That was exactly about the same as what they did in March and up 48% from what it was at last year. Uh, SGC down 22%. They did 94,000 cards, but up 1% from last year. So a little bit of growth right there, even if it's not the immediate growth right there. Uh, CGC, 57,000 cards graded. That's down 32% from March and down 19% from last year. So a little bit of a drop off right there. And the big one, Beckett, you know, we just mentioned there are a CEO change here. And these numbers might have a little bit to do with that as well. 56,000 cards graded for them in March of, or in April. That's down 21% from March, but down 29% from last year. So you're seeing some big gains from SGC and CGC. And it's cost Beckett a little bit. Yeah, it, I mean... It's interesting that we're we're down four percent across the board. CSG, um, their their ma- their um, their reporting mechanism is in is having maintenance, so I don't think we those C uh, CGC numbers include the CSG numbers for April. Um, so, you know, maybe if if we if and when we get numbers in May, that'll include include the CSG numbers, and that might uh, skew it a little bit more one way or the other, but. Uh, you know, it's, we're down. It's, you know, it's slowed down a little. I think the, the hobby slowed down a little. It's pretty evident, right? It happens a little bit. I mean, things are going to change as, you know, as the economy changes right now too. And I mean, you look at the economy as a whole, we've seen some bank failures lately. People might be tightening up a little bit on their spending. And so yeah, it's going to go down a little bit. Yeah. And we're seeing some uh, auction uh, results, some, some nice oh, auction yeah. results. The, in the SPC spring auction in 19 and 1911 T205 gold border, Christy Matthewson, which got a PSA uh, eight, went for $214,579. I believe it was uh, like 10 times more than it went uh, five or six years ago. I think that was, that was the number. So uh, 1911 T205, Christy Matheson went for $214,579. And that same auction, a 1961 signed baseball by JFK went for $166,818. That's the most for a presidential election on a base uh, presidential uh, person on a baseball. So 166,818 for a JFK ball, which is pretty cool. That definitely is. Wow. Uh, PWCC, we just mentioned them earlier. They had an auction this week as well. Some uh, pretty nice showings there. 1952 tops Mickey Mantle cards signed by him in ballpoint pen. Well, probably ballpoint, some kind of pen at least. Uh, got a PSA three grade on it, but that went for $422,400 right there. So you don't see those signed 52 mantles very often. I mean, it's tough enough sometimes even just seeing a regular 52 mantle. No, so I know. Cool seeing that hit the uh, 400,000 mark right there. Uh, same set, the 1952 tops Jackie Robinson card. In fact, I think those two bordered each other on the uh, cutting sheet. One of only five known signed copies of that was in the auction there. That Jackie Robinson went for $135,456. Yeah, it just goes to show you if there if you have high-end items and you have unique items, there's still a high-end market out there, right? And these yes. things are still uh, realizing 
big bucks. Well, the Nationals coming up in July, at the end of July in Chicago, and they announced some more signers at the National. Barry Sanders is going to be there again. Dr. J will be there. Alan Iverson will be there. Troy Palomalu is going to be there. Jim Tomei and Fred McGriff, baseball players, and Tony Oliva, new Hall of Fame, just newly elected to the Hall of Fame. And Tony Bassetti uh, from the, is he in the Hall of Fame? Is he in the Football Hall of Fame yet? He is. Yeah, he got it a couple years ago there. Yep. He was, I think it's the guy, first Jaguar to get in as a Hall of Fame. So all those guys will be there um, signing. So if you, the, the autograph guests are, list is growing and hopefully we'll see some more VIP uh, announced this week that we can talk about on our Saturday show. Drew, we have a bunch of new releases to talk about as well. We do indeed. A couple of things that we've mentioned uh, before a little bit. The select Premier League soccer set for 22-23 is coming out from Panini. In there, you're going to see 12 packs, each with five cards, three autograph or memorabilia cards per box. $325 will be the price tag on that one. We got a baseball release from Panini. It's a 2022-23 USA Baseball Stars and Stripes. Um, this is kind of all the guys in college, right? The, co- the, the college guys, these are the really young kids. You get um, eight packs of five cards per pack, seven autographs or memorabilia in the, the set. There's 100 cards in the set. And you can get a box of $72, which is pretty good for seven autos, right? Or memorabilia. Yeah, and that's, I mean, it's even younger sometimes. These are guys that are, you know, like the U15, U16 teams in some yeah. cases in there too. So great team water, right? Yeah, exactly. You're getting the prospects real early on that one, but it's always a fun product just because of that. Uh, how about a Panini Prism NBA premium box? This is for uh, the 2022-23 season. Uh, 301 cards. That's the complete base set right there. $2,500 is going to be the price tag on that one. So I'm not sure what else comes with it. Is, is it just the complete base set there, Prism, or is there more in there? But either way, that's, I mean, that's high price tag right there. But I mean, hey, it's a complete Prism set. And you've seen how much those have been skyrocketing here the last few years. No, we have some show news to remind you of. Uh, coming up this weekend in May 6th in Virginia Beach, the 757cardshows.com is having the show. Bill Madluck, Dwight Gooden, uh, Sid Bream, and Mike Nelms are going to be the signing. Um, the autographs are fairly inexpensive, and there uh, is no charge for the show. Um, you might want to, if, you, if you're going to try to get stuff signed and you want to mail in, I would think you'd have to mail it in today and make sure you do it two days so it hits them by uh by Friday because the show is uh, Saturday this weekend. So uh, Bill Madlock, Dwight Gooden, Sid Bream, Mike Nelms, if you're in the Virginia Beach area, uh, it's a good show. It's a real old school show and it's free admission. So check it out, 750cardshows.com this weekend. Seems like putting a card show inside of a classic ballpark would be an almost a no-brainer. And yet the Fenway Park Card Show is only in its second year, but they're going to have that coming up again, May 20th and 21st. Fenway Park in Boston. If I were up there, I'd be checking that out for sure. Because, I mean, you get to see the inside of Fenway Park. You get to check out the card show there. That's two birds, one stone. So if you're around the area, go and check it out May 20th through 21st. All right, Drew. I think we close out Hobby Happenings. Yep. And we'll have, uh, we have a, a great interview with uh, Bob Weiss, if I do say so. Bob played in the NBA. He was on the 1967 World Champion 76ers with Wilt Chamberlain. He played on the Chicago Bulls with, with um, Bob Love and a, a bunch of those guys. And he also coached in the NBA as well. So we talked to Bob about his time in the NBA. I talked to Bob maybe, I don't know, two weeks ago. And uh, it's a, it's great that we got to play this interview. Bob was is really full, uh, upfront about his career and about playing playing uh, in the NBA. He doesn't uh, talk much about current NBA, but he really talks, uh, really reminisces about his time in the NBA. So please enjoy my interview with Bob Weiss from, from uh, a bunch of NBA teams. 
This week's interview is brought to you by Certified Sports Guarantee, csgcards.com for superior sports card certification and grading. Get your graded cards in the hobby's best holder. CSG's holders are crystal clear, secure, and make every card in your collection stand out. And the best part is the price. Get your sports cards graded for as low as $12 a card with CSG. Go to csgcards.com to start your submission today and get $10 off the first year of your membership with code TTMCAST. Go to csgcards.com. I'd like to welcome to the program a very special guest. His name is Bob Weiss. He played 12 seasons in the NBA with a plethora of teams, including the Chicago Bulls, the 76ers, the Milwaukee Bucks, the Seattle Supersonics. Did I miss any, Bob? Uh, oh, the Braves, the Braves and the Bullets. Braves, yes. And the Bullets. The Buffalo Braves. Yeah. In addition, he's uh, been a coach since 1978, coaching the Clippers, the Mavericks, the Spurs, the Hawks, the Supersonics, uh, coached in China, uh, all over the place. The Bobcats, the Nuggets rec- most recently. So he has spent a life in basketball. And we're going to talk a little, Bob, about his uh, time as a coach and player and, and learn some of the things that uh, – He's dealt with in terms of signing autographs with fans and stuff that he's collected. So welcome to the program, Bob. Thank you. Good to be you know here. What, you, know what, you know what really jumped out at me is that you won a, a championship really early in your career. Did, uh, as a young player, did you think that they were just going to keep on coming? Uh, no. No. Okay. Well, and, and we use the term, uh, I want it uh, lightly because uh, – I, I was only on that team my first two years. I was drafted. Let's go back. I was drafted in the third round, which would be probably the first round. Today, <laughs> Not, sure. Because there were only eight teams uh, in the league, uh, maybe nine if Chicago was already in then. But uh, I was one of those guys that was uh, kind of borderline. I made the 76ers the first, uh, the first year, and I was with them about uh, – uh, almost a month. And then uh, Dahl Shays was our coach. He came to me and says, Bob, I'm going to have to let you go. Uh, uh, Art Heyman has been cut. And Art was play, a player for the Duke Player of the Year. Okay. And was I don't even know what team he was on at that time. But he got cut early. And uh, uh, so Dahl Shays said uh, – our general manager doesn't want Boston to pick him up. And so let, we're going we're gonna to take him before Boston can get him. Uh, because Boston had a reputation at that time. You know, they had that great Bill Russell team with Havlicek and just a strong, strong team. And they would take players that were maybe at the ed- end of their career that had been very solid. Yeah, kind of like Bailey Howell and those type Bailey of guys. Bailey Howell was exactly the one I had in my mind at the time. You said that. Um, and, uh, so they just thought that, uh, Boston had the magic touch because, you know, they had such a good team, such good leaders. They could take anybody in there and straighten them out. And, and, or if they're like Bailey Howe, uh, just really, uh, experienced good players and they could make them fit. And so that's what they were worried about. So I got cut and went and, uh, went to the Eastern League, which was at that time, uh, there was no, 
no ABA, there was no playing abroad, and there were only nine teams in the league. So it was it was a tough right. Make. It was tough to hold down a draw. Yeah. So I go uh, what was called the Eastern League, and it was a pretty good league, uh, except that you only played on weekends. You played Saturday and Sunday, and everybody had jobs, and they just drove to where they were going to go yep. and play. And uh, but a lot of guys came out of that league and ended up being all stars uh, in the NBA later. And so it was a good league. And uh, I had a coach named Neil Johnson, and uh, he was a uh, in his day he led the league in scoring at one point. Okay, and, yeah, I'm not familiar with him. Um, I, I hadn't been either. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but so he was my coach, and uh, you only had eight guys on the team. It was a it was an amazing situation. You, so you, you got a lot of PT then, so right? What's that? You got a lot of playing time. Uh, well, it was touch and go there. Uh, and, uh, uh, at one point, uh, Art Heyman ends up getting cut by the Sixers and picked up by Wilmington, my team. Oh, that's fine. So, uh, since you only had seven or eight, eight, nine guys, uh, they didn't, they didn't dress a guy if somebody else came on. So I didn't dress that night. And so I went to the, the coach and uh, I said, you know, wh what's going on? I uh, last game, these other guys, the other guards didn't play well. And, but I'm the one that gets sat down, which is like, okay, you're, you're next to go. Right. There's and, no place. Uh, there's no other place to go either. Right. You there's no other down as far as you can go. And so the, the coach said to me, he says, Bobby he says, you're a guard. When a guard goes into a game, something's got to happen, whether it's good or bad. Something's got to happen. When you go into the game, you're playing not to make mistakes. And, and so as a result, you're really not getting much done. Yep. So I told him, I says, okay, I'll cut loose. I'll cut it loose. And, I mean, it was like pulling a switch on a light bulb. That guy saved my career right there. Because yeah, instead of playing scared, you were playing aggressive. So right? I just went out there and went after it. And I ended up starting for the team, and we won the championship. So here I was on the borderline of walking out the door and trying to find <laughs> something to make I could buy food with. And uh, uh, he changed my whole career. And so a, a lot of coaches don't realize what influence they can make on a player. You know, you don't realize it at yeah. the time. Do you, but, do you think you had an effect on any uh, any players while as a coach that the like that coach had on you? Well, I, I hope I did. I hope I did, but you you never really you know you don't know for sure. Right. Um, I know I was able to change a lot of little things in the guys, uh, you know, the way he played. That I know I've helped people that way. Uh, I remember. Uh, it, it's funny how. Guys come from big, good programs, and uh, um, Eric Snow came, and uh, he was a, a guard and was known as a, a point guard with a terrible shooter. Was he so Georgetown? Much, huh? Was he Georgetown? Uh, no. Where did he play? Uh, I want to say it was up Michigan or maybe okay. something, like that, but I, I can't remember. But anyway, he held the ball completely – Overly exaggerated on his fingertips. 
So his hands were almost like a claw on the ball. And I watched him shoot free throws. And I, I said, Eric, why, why do you hold the ball that way? He said, well, when I was a kid, I was in a, a clinic and they said, uh, you know, you hold the ball on your fingertips. Well, he over-exaggerated yeah. that completely. And, uh, you know, so I was able to tell him, I said, wait a minute, all right, put your hand out like you're going to shake hands, turn it face up, and then now put a ball in there. All right, that's the way you hold a ball, okay? Yep. And I said, all right, now try shooting free throws that way. And uh, I said, now, it's going to feel weird. Uh, you you won't be able to develop that into your jump shot yet for a while because it's got to come natural. But uh, I think you might have better luck with that. Well, he picked it up and bang, just just like that. He was doing he was doing well with it, and he developed that right away into his jump shot. And all of a sudden, he could shoot up to eighteen feet, and so I, that had a big effect in his. Oh, sure. So. Uh, you know, there were several little things like that, uh, that, uh, you know, if you, if you have an eye for what's supposed to happen with a guy's shot, uh, you know, you don't redo the whole shot you do, you adapt what he has to what is going to be effective. And so I think I've had a lot of effects that way. And I have had a couple guys that were, uh, uh, bench players that, you know, told me, boy, you, you know, you, you gave me great confidence in myself. Uh, you know, you did something, you maybe do things that other coaches hadn't. And so, uh, you know, as a coach, you always, you always like to hear things like that, where you can be an influence on their games. I don't think uh, I had any instances that, that turned their lives around. Yeah. yeah. Like my coach turned my life around. Well, Alicia had that. As a, a player, what was your your forte? Were you known as a defensive player? Were you known as a shooter, uh, a good passer? What was your your forte as a player? Uh, I think I didn't I didn't have one aptitude that was stood out. I think, and I think that was one of my strengths. Was uh, I think the thing that stand out the most is is my ability to see what was going to happen. Okay. Because, uh, but all all passers have that. You can't be a good passer if you a guy is open. Now you see it, and it's almost always too late to make the play. A good passer sees it coming, and and he's ready for it. And so that that instant that the guy is open and ready for a shot, the ball is is going to be there. Right. I mean, Larry, Larry Bird really excelled at that, right? He was, that was, yeah. one of the things that... well, every passer, imagine, yeah. I mean, all the good passers, uh, uh, you, you gotta be, you gotta see the game and, and what's going to happen next is you don't react to what happens. The only time you're reacting to what happens is when you're playing defense. And, sure. and even that you can make happen once in a while by, by making a guy do what he doesn't want to do. But uh, so uh, I, I was a point guard, so I was a good ball handler. Uh, uh, and uh, playing for Dick Mata was probably the best coach for me to play with because he was, uh, at that time, he was the first guy that brought in uh, a college system and really ran a lot of set plays. Mm -hmm. and, uh, 
but the thing I liked about his stuff was everything was programmed, but you didn't have to call out what what was like we're going to run B1. You just we had sets and then different things happened depending on where the ball went. And uh so that that thing was made for me because I do I could know that how to get the ball to Chet Walker where he wants it instead sure. of just giving it to him and everybody get out of the way, which is uh, what you see. Uh, That's what you see today. You see more of that today because the players are so good athletically. Uh, but uh, in, in that day, D- Dick's offense was different. Nobody, nobody else was doing that right then. Um, and then it went out, you know, it, that's the thing I liked about the NBA too. It is always changing. Every year is different. And it, it's not like, it's not like a, uh, you know, with an older coach, it's the, the good old days. No, that's what, not what you do. If you're going to be a good sustaining coach, you got to be ready on what's going to happen next year from what happened last year. Because it's going to, you know, and the, and the coaches do such a good job of that now. This this game just keeps progressing, and it got more complicated because of the three point get rule. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. You, if, if you had, do you think the three point error as a player would have helped you? Because you didn't really have a three pointer when you were playing. Would that would that have helped your game? Oh, oh yeah, much. Yeah, I would have really helped me. Uh, as I <clears throat> I was a coach. Excuse me. I coached for uh, San Diego or San Diego. I coached for Seattle when Dale Ellis was there. Mm-hmm. And Dale shot. Uh, he was in the three point contest. So he was that level of a shooter. And uh, so uh, we would go out before practice and we'd, we'd have contests and shoot for money. And Dale <laughs> stopped shooting three pointers with him. He wouldn't play anymore. So, yes, the three-pointer would have helped me. <laughs> did you, you played on two expansion teams, Seattle and Milwaukee. Was, did that, was that um, beneficial to you to, to going into a new situation like that? And, and did you get more playing time in, in those instances? Uh, yeah, I really did. I was, uh, so what happened when I was, I was with the, sec- the Sixers and uh, the year they won it, I, I, I went to camp. Uh, I shouldn't have gone to the Sixers camp because they had three veteran guards. And that year they drafted uh, Matt Gukas and Melchione from, mm-hmm. from two of the big five colleges in, in Philadelphia. So they had three veteran guards <laughs> and draft these two guys. You're, like, where, you're looking around the room like, where, am I, where do I fit in here? So I was going to, I was going to, I called the Sixers and said, uh, I think I'm going to go uh, try out with the Hawks this year. And I can't even remember who I was talking to. Oh, they said that, oh, Coach, coach uh, was looking forward to having you there on the team. So, okay, I'll give it a try. So I had a good camp, but got cut uh, because there just wasn't room on the roster. And uh, so I ended up getting my degree uh, for, te- for teaching school and started teaching school in the Philadelphia area and playing in the Eastern League. Well, Larry Costello tore an Achilles tendon. Uh, so another guy that made a difference in my career. <laughs> Without knowing it, right? And, then, and Jack Ramsey brought me up from the from the uh, Eastern League. And so 
uh, I had a great high school principal. I mean, this guy was, was like a father to me. He'd, he'd bring me in and talk to me about, you know, different factors of life and everything. So, so I go in and uh, I said, uh, geez, I got a problem. And he said, what is it? And I said, well, the 76ers want to bring me up onto the team and I'd have to miss, miss school. And I wasn't really teaching at the time. I was, okay. they didn't have, uh, they had six uh, elementary schools in that system and they didn't have a phys ed program. So I was setting up a phys ed program for those six. So I didn't have classes. And he said, well, let us know when you're not going to be here. I thought, holy mackerel. That's, that's <laughs> very nice. Right. So I finished it. And then uh, we uh, we go into the playoffs. We win the world championship that year. And uh, so now here I go back into his office. And I said, uh, well, uh, I've got a pro another problem. I said, uh, we won the world championship. And the owner wants to send everybody and their wives to uh, the Bahamas for a week. And, uh, you know, I, I couldn't expect to get a week off of school. He says to me, he says, well, send us a postcard. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, my God. So, anyway, that was the expansion year for Seattle. And yep. Al Bianchi, who I played with, was the coach in Seattle. And uh, he uh, picked me off the squad, and I went to Seattle. And uh, – I had a great camp, made the team, uh, was six man there for Seattle. And, and that was when I made the team. I mean, that's when I made the league. And right. You're like, okay, I, I have a, I have a spot in this league that. Yeah, I do. And, and yeah. And, uh, I didn't have it going in, but I had a great camp and played, uh, and had, had a pretty good time. And then, uh, that's when I was uh, taken by, uh, Milwaukee in the next draft. Yeah, were you surprised that you got left exposed for the next draft? No, because what happened? Excuse me, say, okay. uh, I I got drafted into the army. Oh, and so that was at a time when uh, Vietnam was going on, and they were they were cracking down on uh, guys joining the National Guard to get out of sure going into and so my uh, my general manager tried everything he could in Seattle he tried to get me into the guard and tried to do this tried to do that and they said no we just that, that can't happen anymore because they're closing that gap down well my wife had had uh, uh, she lost a baby uh, and, and and she was pregnant again. So her doctor wrote me a letter that said, you know, uh, this is for my draft board that uh, Mrs. Weiss has had a miscarriage and she is pregnant again. And it would probably be better for her husband to stay with her at this time. And I thought, well, boy, that's not a, <laughs> it just didn't sound like a whole lot. In my yeah. family. It was like, you know, so, uh, I mean, I had the draft notice. I had when to report all that stuff. And, and they deferred you. Uh, yeah, all of a sudden they uh, said, okay, we're canceling it. And uh, so I was able to – now so – That must was, have been really well, scary. In the meanwhile, I got picked up by Milwaukee because yeah. I was put on the list of available. And they took me anyway, and uh, thinking I was going to Vietnam. 
So, so that's how I ended up in, uh, in Milwaukee. And then at practice one day, uh, Dick Mata is interviewing uh, uh, some, some writers and everything are there after practice. And Flynn Robinson was a very great scoring guard. Uh, not great in the defensive end and uh, had kind of an attitude. And he's, he's throwing up some shots from the half court. And so Dick yells over to him. He's standing there with the writers. He says, Flynn, why don't you practice the shots you're taking a game? He said, why don't you practice your coaching? <laughs> <laughs> that night, that night, I was on my way from Milwaukee to Chicago, and, Chicago, and Flynn was on his way to, to Milwaukee. That's funny. Yeah, Bob Love and I were both traded, uh, and the owner didn't uh, didn't really want to make the trade, but he didn't want to lose Dick. Dick called him, says either he's not there at the game tomorrow or I'm not. <laughs> the fiery guy. And yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah it was a different time, right? A little, a little more lax. Oh and- yeah. Well, the funny part was, so then the the owner calls Dick and says, "Well, I made the trade." He said, who do we get? He says, Bob Love and Bob Weiss. And neither of them can play, you boob. And boom. <laughs> Meanwhile, Bob, Bob, I Bob Love was a very good player as Bob, well. Bob Love ends up making the all-star team. And I end up being the sixth man for like, you know, five or six years there. And so, uh, but but he didn't think we could play. So it was, and Flynn was, Flynn bounced around a little bit. And then I don't, I'm not sure what happened to do you have a favorite teammate, somebody that really uh, enhanced your game or somebody that you really enjoy playing with? I just uh, – I really enjoyed playing uh, with the Chicago guys. You know, okay, yeah. We call Chet Walker, Bob Love, uh, and uh, uh, so uh, Jerry Sloan. And uh, so uh, those, those are the guys that I really – enjoyed uh going to war with and uh it was it was a great time in my life do you have a favorite moment on the court as a player is this is, is there is there a game winning shot that you made or or a stop that you made or something that you- there was one i remembered uh and i had great pictures of it too uh that were in the paper the next day but i don't know where those are now but it was, it was a series of about four shots we it was uh one of those things was Two seconds left on the clock. Yeah. We're down one or tied. We're playing the Boston Celtics. Paul Silas uh, was in the game, too. And uh, I don't know exactly what we had drawn up. But so anyway, I came came running over towards the bench. The ball was passed to me. I just, in one motion, took it up and shot. And there's a, a great picture of me releasing the ball and Silas's hand is, is about three, four inches from the ball. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it, it was a sequence, uh, four shots a guy took just at the perfect time. And, uh, you know, it's, it's worst won the game. Uh, I think there was some brewery that had a promotion. If anybody hit a game winning shot. Yeah. So I, I get, I get 13 cases of beer were delivered to my house. <laughs> <laughs> filled up my basement <laughs> did you did you uh did you get a ring when you won uh, the cha- championship with philadelphia was yes. your string rings and do you yep. still have that nope what happened 
it, it, was a, it was a bad story, but it was stolen. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah. And it hasn't shown and it's never shown up on the memorabilia. No, no. Not oh. that I know of. I haven't seen it yet. So yeah. That, that that's too bad. Do you have any uh, memorabilia from your playing days? Did you keep game balls or uniforms or anything like that? Yeah, we have some jerseys. My wife had uh, took, uh, you know, I'd have a surprise birthday party, and she she had a uh, jersey framed. Oh, nice. Yeah, and uh, so we we have stuff like that. Not here. We don't have uh, much uh, stuff. We're we've moved to a very small uh casita with my uh my my wife and I are in that and uh our son has a main house with his family and we came here so we could be near them uh so we got yeah we got uh a uh, couple things a couple basketball things but right here I don't have a room of uh that stuff uh, you were you a collector at all did you collect autographs from teammates or, or uh, opponents or it's a little it's a different uh, I've time a right? little bit I've, I've got i've got a jordan ball signed oh, that's great and uh it was to my father on his 100th birthday oh wow and uh uh that was from uh still have that uh one thing i got was patrick ewing when i was with the seattle Sonics. Mm-hmm. Patrick Ewing was traded to us from the Knicks, and then so then we went to New York and played there. And uh, after the game, I got the idea. I said, "Patrick, you going to wear those sneaks again?" I said, "Can I get your shoes?" He gave me. So I have the shoes that Patrick Ewing wore well, on when his he came turn to, New York. to the Garden. <laughs> Very that that's very neat. Did you um were you a collector of cards as a kid? Did you did you no, play baseball no, cards or anything? Never, no, never did any of that stuff. Did no. you? Uh, I always ask this to former athletes. Did you when you were playing? Did you ever go into a grocery store or a pharmacy and buy a bunch of packs of cards to see if you could get your own card? I did. I remember when uh, uh, when they first started coming out like that, and. Uh, I remember going uh, to a grocery store and I bought like five packs of gum trying to find, see if I could find one on me. Yeah. Did and, you ever get one? And I did. Oh, good. <laughs> they, thought- I'll tell you how well they knew me. They, uh, uh, it was my picture and uh, I was first year with the Bulls and you know, they get these pictures and it's, who the heck is this guy? I don't know. What positions he play? I don't know. He looks big. So they put down center. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a card that says center. Yeah. Quality uh, control at tops back then wasn't the best. No, no. But I tell you, I won, one card is kind of special to me. And uh, it's, it's me standing like, you know, pose shot with the ball, like I'm going to be passing it. And in the background is a uh, an action of uh, of a team playing, and I think it was the Bulls, and uh, but it wasn't when I was there. Okay. But in that picture is uh, another player with his back, and uh, you can just see the side of his face, but it's Senator Bill Bradley. Yep, that's your seventy four. That's your seventy four card. 1924 or is his number is 24. Yep. And, uh, 
I don't know if there's many people that look at that card and say, oh, there's Bill Bradley. You know, you look. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Now, as, but, as a coach, I always wondered this. Um, did you have any input into the, the building or the roster in terms of trading for players and uh, drafting players and that kind of stuff? Yeah. Yeah. As a head coach, uh, you, you had a lot of input on that? Uh, well, in the early days, it was, uh, yeah, it was you as a general manager uh, and maybe a director of personnel. Uh, only about four guys would be involved, really. Not as, right. as, as much now as all the scouts they have out. And, I know, uh, and the, the, the NBA teams have so many assistant coaches. They, you look at the Celtics bench, and they got like seven or, or ten assistant coaches. I, I don't know how they have so many. <laughs> that is one of the things I miss about my time in the NBA. You know, when you're out there for the national anthem and you look down at the end of the court, you knew everybody. Now you got to get a, uh, you know, <laughs> you got to get a notebook and have trying to figure out who, who all the coaches are. What was the best team you were associated with? Uh, well, it had to be the 76ers team. That's how many team. What was it like playing with Wilt? Uh, I, well, it's first was of it all, was it the black hole? You, you passed the ball to Wilt and you never saw it again? <laughs> it depended on the year. Let me tell you about Wilt. So first thing is, yeah, I was drafted. Billy Cunningham was drafted first uh, by the Sixers. I was drafted third by him. And uh, so because it was Billy Cunningham, we went to uh, North Carolina to for an exhibition game. And in those days, you, you, you drove, you rented cars, and the players drove, and, you know, you get five or six cars. And I'm in a car. Will's driving the car. I'm riding shotgun for some reason. And we pull up in front of the arena before the game, and there was half a space available. And then there was a – Police sawhorse there. So Wilt says, hey, Rook, move that sawhorse, and I'll park right there. So uh, I look at the sawhorse, and I look over, and I see about 20 uh, policemen having their pregame orders and talking. They're having their pregame talk. And I said, Wilt, those guys aren't going to let me move that. Yeah, yeah. They don't look too that friendly. (laughs) Yeah. No, he says, nah, move it. I look at the thing again. I look over at the place. I said, well, they're not going to let Rook move the Okay. <laughs> so I get out of the car. I walk around. As soon as I put my hands on that sawhorse, three guys come running over. Hey! And they're running over. And uh, I, I look over, and Will's, Will's rolling the window down. That's how long ago it was. He had to roll the window down. So he's rolling the window down. And I, in my head, I said, oh, Will's going to save me. So Will sticks his head out the window and he says, officer, I told that dummy not to move that thing. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I put my tail between my legs, get in the car, and we go around back. And uh, uh, But Will was so, he was so far ahead of his time. Uh, he was... Uh, I think he got bored with the game. So because one season he decided I'm gonna I'm gonna get the scoring title. And so he yeah. got average 50. Uh he he never came out of the game. He averaged more than 48 minutes a game. 
it never came out. Which is, uh, and then I mean, you were you were pretty um, you were pretty versatile in terms of playing a lot of minutes in a lot of games. You you had a, you you were you were you were pretty durable in your your career. So well, I, I had, yeah, I had a streak of 533 games. Yeah. Yeah. And then I had a bone spur, uh, and that's what broke it. I, I could have got another, uh, probably another hundred in, but, uh, so, uh, one more story on Will on, on so the next year he's going to be the assist leader. So he stopped scoring and all he do is pass and try to get assists. And, uh, friend of mine, Tom Borwinkle was a yeah, sure. center, played Tennessee. So Tom, he gets up, he's having breakfast, and he's he's reading the newspaper. His wife's in the kitchen there with him, and he goes, oh, no. She said, what's wrong? He said, and uh, I can't remember who the writer was at the time, uh, but Tom says, so-and-so wrote an article that Wilt can't score anymore. Oh, no. <laughs> Tom is a seven foot rookie that's starting for the Bulls. <laughs> and this guy writes the article, Will can't score anymore. So the game goes, and <clears throat> Will gets 65 that night. <laughs> he scores 60. <laughs> yeah, don't wake the sleeping giant, my friend. No. Right? And, so, and then the next day, starts passing again. He just wanted to, you know, <laughs> but that's the kind of guy he was. He would, he, Whatever he wanted to do, he would do it. He changed a lot of rules. You used to be able to, if you had the ball under the and the baseline, you could throw the ball over the backboard uh, towards the rim. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, so Wilt would stand in front of the rim. They'd throw the ball over the thing. He'd dunk it, and that was it. There, there was no defense for it. And so then they changed the rule that you you couldn't throw it over the backboard. You had to throw it out on the floor someplace. Yeah. Uh, there was a rule where you could shoot a free throw and, and your foot could then cross the line, okay? So Will, this might have been back in high school, Will would get back, he'd take a run and jump a long layup from the free throw line and then just do a finger roll at the end. Yeah, because he was so big. That's how he shoot his free throws. <laughs> he changed that rule. You can't step over the line. Uh, they they made the the lane wider. I'm not sure if that was because of him or just it 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 came about. But I mean that that's the type of type of guy he was. You played you played with a lot of great players. Uh, if we can just run down a couple and give me your thoughts on them. Uh, in Buffalo, you played with McAdoo and Ernie DiGorio. Uh, what type of teammates were they? Bob McAdoo is one of the rare guys that could play today and have a, a full impact because he was a six six ten center, but he was a shooter, and he's he's that athletic kind of guy you're seeing now uh, that has range. Uh, and I don't know if anybody had the the range that he does as a yeah. play now. Boy, could he uh, score, huh? He could. He was really a scorer, and uh, uh, and Ernie D was the best passer I've ever seen, and uh, really a funny player because he he didn't have a basketball body. He was a six two. He had a long body, short arms, short legs, slow, but just all kinds of talent. And 
I mean, I've seen him throw a behind-the-back three-quarter pass to a guy on a fast break uh, for a layup, just right on the money. He, yeah, he I mean, I'm from New England, and he's a legend here, so he yeah, he yeah, he, Providence, he, and he, he was and, – And you know what he did? He tweaked a knee, just a meniscus. It was like, like nothing today, and it really kind of ended his career because Ernie was not – he was not the kind of guy could run an offense because it was an offense. He was a guy that would just go out there and make things happen. He, right. he was his own offense. <laughs> if you got open, you get the ball. And uh, so he, when he, when he hurt his knee, it slowed him down a little more and, and he just never got back to where he was. Right. He just, just enough that he couldn't, he couldn't uh, do what he used to be able to do. Yeah. How about uh, Bob Dandridge and Eldon Hayes? You played with them in in uh, Washington. Who's the first one you said? Bob Dandridge. Yeah, I never got to play with him. Oh, you didn't? Okay. I wanted to play with him because he's the kind of guy. Really, a uh, he was a lot like Bob Love. Could move without the ball. Really knew the game, uh, and so he he was a very good defender. He's, he he was a terrific player. Just not not flashy, but he really got the job done. Uh, I never got to play with him. And then I did get to play with Alvin Hayes, uh, also another big town. Wes Unseld, right? Did you play with Wes? And played with Wes. Yeah, I loved uh, Wes Unseld, one of, the, one of the great guys. Do you have, do you have a, a player that you enjoyed coaching, a favorite player that you enjoyed coaching? I had a group of them in Atlanta. Uh, I was in Atlanta. When I got the job there, I had called Sidney Moncrief and wanted him to be an assistant. And uh, he was in Dallas at the time. He had car agencies and things going on that he couldn't get away from. And uh, so he wasn't interested in coaching. And uh, then I'm getting ready for, for camp one year, and I get a phone call, and it's Sidney Moncrief, and he wants to come try and play again because he's been playing and his knee felt pretty good. He just, you know, been playing around and uh, weekends and stuff. And I said, yeah, it, it, if I hadn't talked to him before on the phone, I would have thought it was a crank call. <laughs> That's funny. Sydney comes in and he's one of those guys. He was an all-star, <clears throat> but he didn't look like an all-star. He wasn't super athletic, great shooter or this or that. He, he was one of those guys that you didn't know how good he was until you had him on your team. And then yeah. you, I remember uh, him with uh, Milwaukee. He was really yeah. good with Milwaukee. He's oh, an all-star. And uh, uh, so anyway, he's he comes and he was on that team. And I had Spud Webb. I had Doc Rivers and Sidney Moncrief and yep. uh, John Battle, uh, Dominic Wilkins. Uh, and that was a fun team to coach because I could go small with that group because Doc was, you know, he he he, he played big. He was a guard but played big. Big Sydney was the right, same. But there weren't not, there weren't enough balls on the court for those guys <laughs> with Dominique in there. Yeah, except Dominique got most of them. But the, no, those I know. guys were all. They were all so smart. They knew they knew what his strengths were. And they played to his strengths, and uh, there was nobody, you know, they just they just let him go. You just give him the ball. Uh, he had one of those, 
Dominique was one of those guys where you draw up a play and it's at, at the end of the game and they leave. And when they walk across that white line with some guys, it's like an eraser. It, <laughs> it takes everything you just talked about and throws it down. Forget it. And Dominic would look. Uh, when I was coaching against the uh, Atlanta one year, I was with San Antonio, and it was the end of the game play, and they they needed score. Uh, Dominic comes high, runs right to the ball. They throw him the ball. They clear out. He he scores, and they win. And I told. Uh, Mike Fatella, I said, oh, that's a good play you guys ran. He said, that was nothing like I drew up. <laughs> <laughs> he just said, made me look good. That's that wasn't it at all. And so it wasn't just me. It was <laughs> That's the way Dominique was. But, uh, very, very funny. Uh, I, um, I, do you get many autograph requests through the mail now, nowadays? Yeah, I get. In fact, it's been picking up lately. I don't know why. Maybe because I've started to sign them more, more promptly. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> I still get them. And uh, are you surprised people uh, want your autograph even after all these years? Uh, no, I think they've probably sent them to everybody. So if you're in the league, you're going to get the letters. Do you, do you get any any cool pictures that you've never seen before or uh, anything that, that's kind of really? Well, sometimes neat? guys will find, yeah, occasionally, rare, rare occasions, I'll get uh, uh, full length. Uh, pictures, yeah. you know, even tents, uh, uh, action shots, or uh, stuff that these guys pull up. And uh, a lot of times, though, they will include uh, one of you know, here you keep this one, and uh, which is nice because there's a lot of times I've gotten stuff that I really liked that I hadn't seen before. Yeah. So um, you you're uh, you last coached in 2019. What are you doing with yourself now uh, to keep yourself busy? Well, uh, for a while, I wasn't too busy. And then uh, my wife is a school teacher, and she was teaching at this uh, Indian reservation. Uh, we're in uh, Southern California. And uh, she she got a job with an Indian reservation. And uh, it, it's, up, it's up in the hills from here, about 35 miles. And um, so she said they uh, – they're really understaffed and, you know, teachers needed help to just, you know, be able to get out of the room every once in a while for a minute. And uh, uh, so I said, well, I'm not doing anything. I'll, I'll go up and just roam around and see who needs me to watch the class while they, they get a cup of coffee or something. And uh, uh, so then I, uh, it, it's a small, small uh, school, about 150 students uh and uh i would put i would go all right what do you need and they said well we just got this order of desks i said okay i go in the gym i take the box out take the do a whole assembly of uh desks for the kindergarten or something that's awesome that's fun then then i'd uh, be one of the guys that goes out uh, at uh, when they're on recess making sure that nobody gets killed <laughs> and, uh, uh, so just what whatever needs to be done there, I, I would do. Uh, you know, we we got a, a teacher sick today. Can you take it? Yeah, I'll take the school class. And uh, so now it turns out just to go up there and help out a little bit. This this past year, I've been like full time, 
And uh, it's so it's great. It keeps you young, right? You, you're dealing with the kids and interacting yeah. and yeah. it's fun. Yeah, and I, and I, and I'm sure you're a coach at heart. So it's, it's kind of that, that some of the skills that you've got as a coach must transfer over to dealing with the kids like that. Um, I think so. Hopefully, hopefully it helps, but the, this, this is where you really, this is where you go now of all, you know, all my career and all this stuff. Now I have a chance to improve lives or change. Yeah. And so I'm changing many more now than I did when I was a player <laughs> or a coach. Well, Bob, thank you for your time today. I really appreciate it. It was nice to talk about your career as a coach and a player. Bob Weiss, he uh, played 12 years in the NBA with, with a plethora of teams, including the Chicago Bulls, the Seattle Supersonics, the Milwaukee Bucks, the 76ers, and the Buffalo Braves, which are no longer, I love those uniforms, and the Washington <laughs> Bullets. The, those, and he, he coached with, with in San, San Antonio and Orlando and Atlanta and the Clippers. And uh, just one more last question, I'll let you go. I, I, you coached in uh, China as well? Was that? Yeah, yeah. How, how was that? When they uh, when Seattle left, uh, I did some TV work for University of Washington, and uh, uh, worked in down Portland a little bit doing TV work. And then my wife says, uh, "You know, we always talked about um, going to Europe uh, when when your career was over and uh, worked there." So. I called Warren Legary, uh, who's an agent, and said, hey, looking for something overseas. If you, He said, yeah, let me check. So I get a phone call, and he says, well, he says, it, it's kind of cooled down in, in, the, in Europe for American coaches because they've, they've had a lot of success now, and they, they, they know the game well enough, and they don't want to do it, you know. Sure. NBA coaches weren't that hot yet. He said, but he said, China, China has a league uh, and uh, you might be interested in that. And I said, well, yeah, look into it. And so <laughs> now I go to my wife. I said, well, honey, I got good news. And <laughs> we're uh, not going to Italy, but we are going it's, to. It's, uh, I got a job overseas. <laughs> it's not in Italy. <laughs> and, uh, so, yeah, we're going to one of the poorest, the the most polluted cities in right. China, in, oh, in the world, Tracy said. Uh, and uh, so, so we're going, we're going over there, and uh, it was uh, one of the highlights of our life. We oh, it must have been fabulous. Oh, it was it was terrific. Uh, I don't know if we go back there for vacation. But we yeah. went over and to live there, and uh, you would have a, a translator. Uh, How was and, the food? Was the food good? Uh, it, Chinese food there is not like Chinese food here. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, you'll have uh, uh, big tables. Everybody eats at a big round table usually, which is a great, great thing. They ought to do that here more. You know, uh, you go out to dinner if you have two yeah, family style long tables. You don't get to talk to anybody except the four right next to you, two, two next to you, two across. But at a round table, it's really different. It's really nice. But anyway, uh, 
Yeah, that was very different. The the, the people were great. Uh, my how the, how was the basketball? What 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 would you the say? Basketball, the basketball is if a guy is borderline making the NBA, he can average thirty plus in the China League. So, so is it Division One, Division Two, college that kind of level, or? Uh, yeah, between one and two in college, two, I would yeah. say. Yeah, one and two level college. So good ball, good ball, but just not, yeah. not even, or not even, not even G League like, for NBA. Like Marbury, you know, when he was done here, he yeah, I know he he was he was a superstar over there. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's about the level of the ball. Okay. All right, Bob. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure meeting you, and, and I really enjoyed our time together. And I thank you for signing autographs for 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 the hobby. I, I really uh, we love we love guys that sign autographs and, and keep our hobby going. So I appreciate that. Thank you. Okay. Good talking to you. Okay. Nice talking with you as well. I'd like to welcome our newest sponsor, Collects. Looking up the values of trading cards can be a chore, but now there's an app that makes getting the market price as simple as snapping a photo. The app is called Collects, C-O-L-L-X, and it's free in the App Store and in Google Play. After you scan your cards and get the values, you can build out your collection, list cards for sale, and make deals with other Collects users to buy and sell cards. Now you can get $10 towards your first card purchase and collects marketplace. Just send me an email at ttmcast at yahoo.com and we'll get you a $10 coupon. Get collects today. It's free and get $10 towards your first card purchase. Just send me an email to ttmcast at yahoo.com and make sure you put $10 in your subject line. Well, Drew, you know what? I always ask um, former athletes if they when they were playing if they ever went and bought a, a pack of cards to try to get their own cards and bob weiss was the first one to admit that he did nice <laughs> so i i have to love love bob weiss just for that because he was the only one that was honest because i i can't believe a lot of these guys didn't go out and buy buy packs of cards to see if they could get their own card wouldn't you do that i think a lot of it depends on the era too because i know that like for a while in the 80s Tops would send players like entire boxes of just their card from that year. Like there's uh, was talking to somebody who was at a garage sale who had an 800 count box of just the 1987 tops, Jose Guzman card. They said, yeah, we got these straight from <laughs> Jose himself given to him by the card company. So yeah, I think it really depends on the era. So somebody like Weiss there, you know, who was a uh, player back in the sixties and seventies and then was coaching in the nineties. Yeah, I'm sure, you know, that was the only way to be able to get his card there. That, it was very cool. Bob, I hope you enjoyed my interview with Bob. Bob, I actually sent out a TTM request, and he followed up and said, I'd love to be on your show. So I, I, I love when that happens as well. Well, you know what, Drew? Saturday, we have a, some cool guests coming up. We do indeed. We've had Connor Walden from BuySportsCards.com on a few times before. We're going to have him back once again. And, of course, Clemente Lisi usually comes on about once every few weeks, once a month, somewhere in there. Talks soccer, talks hockey, and this time it'll be covering the hockey playoffs and the positives and negatives to the uh, collecting world from these uh, playoffs and everything that's been going on in them. Yeah, they're, they're fine interview. So make guys turn tune in on Saturday for that. Next Wednesday, we will have Rich Miller from Sport Collectors Daily, who is a uh, founder and editor. And we're going to talk to Rich about kind of all that what's been going down in the last couple of weeks with Panini and Fanatics and, uh, you know, uh, PWCC and a lot of uh, business stuff going on. Right. So we're going to we're going to get his take on it. And uh, that'll be next Wednesday. Uh, Drew, anything else before I let you go? 
I think we've got everything pretty well covered. Um, TTM has been rolling in a little bit. So we'll talk more about those on Saturday and hopefully have a few more to add to those as well. Yeah. I think I have five or six I got yesterday. So I had, an, I had a lot of returns uh, yesterday and I've got, I just sent out 10 baseball. So we're, we're, we're on top of the TTM requests. How about you? Are you sending any more out this week? I haven't yet. I'm waiting on my Canadian stamps again. I just bought a roll of Canadian stamps. So we'll be, uh, Sending off to Canada and Sweden. I've got some cards I'm waiting on to get in as well to mail off of those. So nothing yet, but it's it's in the works for sure. Did you get my envelope yet? I haven't yet. I'll be keeping it. Right, I sent it up the other day, so it's you should get it any day, any day now. All right, but thank you, uh, guys. I wish everyone many happy returns. We'll see you next Saturday. We'll see you on Saturday. Be good.